Hi, I'm Stuart Huff. At night, I'm a stand-up comedian, but during the day, I spend my time roaming through junk shops that hopefully smell like mildew. I'm not looking for antiques. No, I'm looking for items that spark my curiosity. And if they're the right price, then they come home with me. This podcast is accurately named Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. How are we doing, everybody? Thanks for sticking around. Uh, I want to explain what we're doing. Um, so, uh, Onto Records is a great record label. Though. Ross Duncliffe had asked uh, if I wanted to get involved with starting to produce podcasts. And uh, because a lot of the places I work on the road aren't as cool as the White Rabbit, I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do that. Uh, so, we decided to start producing podcasts. And the first person that we thought about to do a podcast with was Stuart Huff. Uh, as you guys know, He's one of the most unique performers in the country and one of the most compelling performers in the country. So we asked him if he would do it and he came up with a great concept. So we're doing this and this is episode number one. Now, the reason we're doing episode number one here is because I'm producing the podcast and I fucked up episode number one and it's not usable. So <laughs> this is so me awesome. saving my ass and uh, proving my worth, I guess. So the podcast is titled uh, Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities and, and starring Mr. Stuart Huff. Here. A round of applause for Stuart Huff, everybody. So I, I think the title is clumsy and not memorable. What do you guys think? I don't even really remember it right now. Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities? Right. And, okay, Here's what we have. We'll let you on this. We've recorded the entire first season. The entire first season is recorded, ready to go. He came to Frankfort, Kentucky, because that's the New York City of the South. It is. He came to Frankfort, and he recorded over four days, four believe, or five days, yeah. uh, uh -huh. into the night, recorded this podcast. And I don't think there's a single episode where you get the title correct. You well, get the Stuart Huff part. You have I that. I've had years to work on that. Yeah, yeah, but obsessive. So, okay, so here's the thing. Sir, do you want to explain what the podcast is? Explain what... Uh, Ross, uh, my good friend Ross, and who owns the label, and my good friend Matt uh, said, do you want to do a podcast? And I said, what do I have to do? And they said, nothing. And then I said, I'm in. Because <laughs> that's, like, what I need. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's the same thing when Ross came up to me, and he said, hey, I'm running a, a comedy CD label. Do you want to be on it? And I said, what do I have to do? He said, nothing. And I was in on that deal, too. Yeah. Uh, so my idea was I'm a junk collector, which is the White Rabbit is perfect for this, you know? These awesome chairs and, you know, the lamps and everything. I'm a, I've been a junk collector for a very long time. And uh, I've learned a lot from just, I, I see something, I go, what is that? And it interests me. And then I look at the price tag, and then 90% of the time I go, ooh, fuck it, you know, <laughs> moving on. You know what I mean? $18, not happening, right? But sometimes I go, oh, that's reasonable, you know? And then, and then I'll, I'll buy it and then research it, and I'll learn history through these things. So my idea for a podcast was each episode I would pull out some junk, you know, uh, that I bought, and we would just talk about it. And sometimes it's funny, and sometimes it's sad, and... You know, because I've got weird stuff. You know, my house is just loaded with weird pieces of wonderful treasures, you know? Okay. Well, and, and my original title was Stuart's Junk. Well, it was, it was, which, it was the... It, see, it was, listen. Yeah. Huh? But see, but listen you, to the giggles. 
You know? Right, but you didn't want the Listen, dick joke giggles. Well, you know. Which, by it, the way, would be a good hurt kind of also, It doesn't it, hurt in this market. You well, know what I mean? We'll talk. Well, that doesn't look good on a t-shirt. Stuart Huff's Curious Obsessions is Well, you not... fucked it up again. This is episode one. What is it? Tell me the title. Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. It's just on flow or you, anything. It it's, does flow. It looks fantastic. It's not gonna, By the way, no one's going to Google if you, that. If you haven't picked up your postcard, pick a postcard up, and this has all the information on it as well. So grab that. Lo logo's done. Fucking, that's what you did, you did well on the logo. Thank you did you. very well. Thank you. I, I'm not happy no, to put my picture things, on it. No, but here's the thing. These things that you collect, they're not junk Oh, that's the title on the front. Yeah. And not bad. Right. You carry that around. <laughs> Is that really the way you spell curiosities? Yeah, that's the correct spelling of it. Jeez. No one's going to be able to spell check that shit. People are going to type it in. and It's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. Yeah, I love you. Uh, well, so, someone has to, Stewie. Stuart has always had the most fascinating stories for me uh, in a Waffle House at 3 in the morning. But they're always involving some item, all right? So when, when Stuart came to us with this idea, I immediately went to this one story that he has told, and I'm gonna make him tell it here, because I think this story explains why this podcast exists. So I get off interstates, right? I'll just, if I have hours to get wherever I'm going, I'm like, oh good, I got plenty of time. I'll get off an interstate and just not really knowing where I'm going, I'll just kind of, you know, go on the back roads and I'll see some shop or some old cranky dude or something, you know? And I'll just pull over and say, what's your deal, you know? And so I see a bit in Greenfield, which is a tiny town. Small town, yeah. There's not a red light there. There's a stop sign, but no red light. I hate the fact that it, it, there's more people than there used to be. You mean at, you mean at this show, or you no, mean in general? No, this is a good number right, right here. This is perfect. Earlier, there was too many people in here, but <laughs> Greenfield. When I discovered the beautiful town, it was a stop sign. And there's, you know, there's just a crossroad there, and there was a post office and a police station and a restaurant, and then this little shop that I'm about to tell you about, and that was it. That was the town, right? And I, I'm driving, and I see a piece of plywood, two pieces of plywood, actually, on the side of this building, and it says, I buy records. And I thought, what? It was spray painted. And I thought, what the, who puts that on their... It doesn't say I sell records, it's I buy records. And then I, I you know, I go past, and there's an old dude sitting in a chair. He's got a, like, uh, uh, Eddie Cochran, you remember Eddie Cochran, a musician, right? He had a swoop to his hair, the 50 swoop, and he had motorcycle boots on, right? And a white t-shirt tucked into his jeans, and he had cigarettes rolled up in it. And I was like, what the hell? It's not Halloween, what the fuck are you doing? That's so great. And this dude's easily 65. He's no less than 65, right? So I pull the car over, and I walk up, and I said, it says you, uh, you buy records, do you sell records? And he goes, depends. And I immediately was in love. I like, I like, I like this guy. You know what I mean? I like a guy who is like, is going to decide whether or not he's going to sell you something. You know, that's what I like. So I said, what does it depend on? He goes, whether or not you have any taste. And I was like, yeah. Cool. And I wish the economy worked like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's great. Wouldn't it be great if like, you know what I mean? Someone walks into Walgreens and someone went, nah, get out. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Anyway, um, so I said, well, uh, hit me. Give me your test. And he looked at me, and he goes, um, you think Elvis Presley's the greatest musician that ever lived? I said, no, I don't, actually. And he said, who is it? And I said, well, when you're talking about old rock and roll, I'd go with Buddy Holly over Elvis Presley. And he goes, go inside and take a look around. I'll think about it. 
So I walk into this place. Oh my God, it's amazing. If you're into old vinyl, he's got a, it's much larger than this room. And it's just, there's no order at all. There's no separations of, of, of genres. It's just stacked. And his, his ceiling is plastered with old Western uh, posters, you know, Tom Mix and all, Gene Autry and all this. It's just a museum, no prices on anything. He decides what you're gonna pay, you know, right? And I, and I start digging through stuff, you know? And, and I, you know, we kind of got along as much as you're going to get along with Perry. We got along. And I bought a few records from him, you know. So I've been there, I don't know, maybe 30 times over the years, right? And what I love about this guy is he's either the greatest liar that's ever lived or just an amazing dude. Like, there's a Dolly Parton pinball machine he has in the back, right? It's not plugged in. So I said to him one day, I said, Perry, how much you want for the Dolly Parton pinball machine? And he goes, $25,000. And I said, come on, it's not even plugged in. You don't play this thing, come on. What do you really want for it? And he goes, $25,000. If I won't sell it to Dolly, I won't sell it to you. <laughs> and I was like, what? He goes, Dolly Parton came in here and she said, how much you want for that? And I said, $25,000. She goes, that's, uh, that's overpriced. I said, get the fuck out of my store. And I'm laughing. I said, Dolly Parton came in. This is Greenfield, Indiana. How the hell does she even know? Everybody knows my shop. <laughs> so the story he tells me is this, that he gets a call one day, and he has an old phone, a rotary phone in his shop, right? Then he goes, I get a call one day. He interrupted my music. You know, he has jukeboxes running. 20, you know, anytime he's there, music is cranked. You can't even barely talk, right? So he goes, I answer the phone. Hello? And the, she goes, hi, I heard that you have a Dolly Parton pinball machine. Yes, I do. Who is this? Well, this is Dolly Parton, and we're over here at uh, Dolly Land or whatever it's called, and we're going to open up a, a little museum, and we'd like to buy the, the pinball machine. And he goes, $25,000, and I hung up on her. And I said, you hung up on Dolly Parton? He goes, yeah, she's either got the money or she don't. Come on down here, you know. So he said, so I'm sitting here one day. We're listening to some good music, and a limo pulls up. Dolly Parton gets out and walks up and says, let me see this pinball machine. So I marched her back here and showed it to her. She said, how much you want for it? I said, I told you on the phone, $25,000. She goes, how about 20? He goes, do you listen? $25,000, end of story, right? So, and I'm thinking to myself, he's full of shit. He's just lying. I love old men that lie. This is great. You know, so then a couple of visits later, he tells me this story. He has got, he's got it like a glass case and he's got a weird bow tie in his glass. Like it's a Mississippi bow tie is what it is. It's got the long strings with it, right? And I said, uh, Perry, what's the tie? And he goes, that tie belonged to Bill Monroe. And if you don't know who Bill Monroe is, he invented bluegrass music, right? Right, so I said, you met Bill Monroe? And he goes, not only did I meet him, but he gave me a tie right off his neck. I said, how'd you get the tie? And he goes, well, we were in the shop just shooting the shit. And he goes, well, Perry, I got to get down the road. I'm going to go look and try to get something to eat. And, and I told him, I said, the best food in Indiana is right across the street. And he goes, well, I'm kind of in the mood for biscuits and gravy. And he goes, oh, biscuits and gravy across the street are better than your mama made. And Bill looked at me and goes, nobody's biscuits and gravy are better than my mama's. And I told him, I'll bet you the tie off your neck. Biscuits and gravy across the street are better than your mama's. And I walked his ass over there. Sat him down, we ordered, he took one bite, took the tie off and handed it to me. <laughs> and in my head I'm thinking, God, what a fucking liar, I love this guy. Right, it's just so beautiful, rich stories. And then he goes, that, there's a picture of me and Bill, and it's a picture of him, Bill Monroe. So now I don't know, 
which one of these are lies and which ones aren't, you know? We were arguing one time about records. I wanted to buy something and he was trying to overcharge me, right? And I said, no one comes in your shop. I've never seen another human being in here. Every single time I've been in here, you gotta make some money somehow. Take my money. You don't need that for $100 for that Yardbirds record. Come on, make me a deal. And he goes, I don't need your little petty ass American money. I got Japanese money. I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, the Japanese fly over here. They fly into, into Indianapolis and they get a rental car and they come down here and they drop 20, 30, 40, $50,000. That's all I need. And I'm like, yeah, you're full of shit, you know? Then one time I was in there and I walked in the door. There's two Japanese guys with a translator. I'm not lying to you. And they're going through 45s. You know, Perry looked at me and goes, full of shit, am I? Talk to these guys. Right. And they open a briefcase, money, just boom, boom, bought all this shit from him. I don't know what's, what's a lie and what isn't, you know? I love this guy. So that's why we're doing this podcast. Because stories like that... Yeah? And... That's enough, people. He's got a mil... Yeah. All right, tell, tell a friend. Uh, each of you tell a friend, at least. But, I mean, and the thing is, when... When we unloaded Stuart's car in front of the, the studio in Frankfurt, it took three of us multiple trips to carry this shit upstairs. I mean, he's got Rubbermaid totes full of stuff, and, and the, the, the tape on the, I'm like, what is this? Because it just tape, it doesn't have a word on it. Like you've got whatever your coding system is, I don't know what it is. I don't know, I didn't know there was tape on it. Yeah, and he's like, oh, that's, a, that, that, that's the box for hair art. Hair art is Already, awesome. don't you want to listen to that? Hair art is awesome. You don't want to listen to hair art? Oh, my, it's gorgeous. Does anybody in here know what hair art is? MJ knows? Hair, I, I was in a shop, right? I don't remember where I was, uh, Delaware or something like that. And I, I saw something on a wall and I thought, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting wreath, you know? It just looked weird, right? And then I, I, and then I got a little closer and I was like, that's, what is that made of? Human hair. You're giggling in the back. Do you know what I'm talking about? Fucking silence. <laughs> the, it was it was popular from like 1820 or something to like 90. It started to die out. Not die out. That's a good word. Yeah. It, but what people would do, they before photography, it was very popular, right? Like if you had a loved one that 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 had passed away, right? After the the viewing and everything, they would cut the hair off. They would cut, and then they would weave this hair into these gorgeous things, and you would put it on the wall because you didn't have photography. So you would remember someone by by their hair, and they made roses out of them and flowers, and it's just gorgeous stuff. And I pull it out, and all these idiots are like, "That's disgusting." And they have no taste. It's intricate work, isn't it? It's so intricate and delicate. And you, when you, I'm, I'm serious, when you guys see hair art, you'll be like, how did they do that? It's not gross anymore. It's like, oh my gosh, that's, that's amazing. So that's why we're, do, we're doing the podcast. Um, so as, we, as we've recorded these episodes, and, th and they're all fantastic, um, you've had guests on. So the folks that, we've, that we have coming up on the podcast uh, that are co-hosts with Stuart, uh, very funny Tom Simmons does a lot of the podcasts with you. Uh, very funny, Peter John Burns out of Chicago does some. Mm -hmm. uh, and then your friend Lowell from Ohio. I love Lowell. Lowell's a fantastically uh, interesting man. And We then, talked about trench art. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and civil disobedience is another one that's amazing. With civil Lowell. disobedience, yeah. yeah. 
So uh, I'm on a few of these as well. It's a good time. Those are, those are Those weak. are the weak ones. Those are uh, weak. But um, it's interesting, though, because uh, Tom... So we recorded all these episodes over a period of four or five days, and Tom is a comic. Like, he's looking for the punchline. He's doing that. And uh, <laughs> Tom loves... He's very linear with everything. So, uh, first of all, he, he relishes calling Stuart an idiot for what he's, what he's doing. He has no idea why Stuart uh, obsesses over these curiosities. See what yeah. I did there? Well, you know, he's just not as cultured as I am. Yeah, that must be what, what it is. Uh, next, you have a horse skull in your home. It was a good price, my friend. <laughs> so, it's great because if you'll hear that when you, when you subscribe, and we hope you do subscribe, when you listen, these are not being put out in the order that we recorded them. So you'll hear Tom say things like, well, this is the 15th episode we've recorded, and it might be episode number two, so it's going to confuse Well, I fucked up the title. He can mess up the number. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever. Absolutely. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really great. We, you know, we've, we've been doing the editing and everything, and everything's awesome. We're excited to bring it out. I know you're excited that, that, that we're doing it. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, we're recording season I, two I soon, love so. Ross Duncliffe with all my heart, and I love Matt Holt. And they said, do you want to do this? And I said, yes, because of them. And that, you know, and I've had fun recording them. I really have, you know, but I get called an idiot all the time. It, on the podcast, the, my guests call me idiot all the time, and I don't understand it. So I've actually learned that what I do is weird. I didn't know it was. What's your, what's your white whale? What, what is it you're looking for? What's the item that you've been looking for this whole time? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, I'd love to have a giant clam. <laughs> You ever see a giant clam? I'm talking a big boy, you know what I mean? Like a nice one, you know? The, I'd love to have it. I don't know why, I've, lately I've been really wanting a giant clam. You know, a, ho a complete horse skeleton is definitely on my list. Okay. Uh, so, do you remember? There's a taxidermy giraffe neck in Chicago that I've been working on for years. <laughs> years. But that thing, he will not go down on that at all. <laughs> That guy irritates me. Do you it's, remember the uh, the warthog story? The war you you tell the warthogs. Uh, all right, so we're sitting at a waffle house. I'm assuming, and Stuart's telling a story. He's in some junk shop somewhere. He's wa wandering around the aisle, and he sees this taxidermied warthog, and he's jumping. It's a, it's a front half of the warthog. It's the front half of the warthog, and he's coming out of the wall like yeah, this like, with big tusks. Yeah, and yeah. and he's in love with it. And so still asked, am. It's in my son's room right now. He asks the questions. It's like, how much is it? And it's like three hundred dollars or whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. He's like, I can't. I pay one twenty-five. The guy goes, No, I can't. I can't. No, not one twenty-five. And the same thing. You talk to the guy for a little bit. You, you keep asking. He won't do it. You leave. You come back. Still after the warthog, it won't come down on the price. And finally, you said something to the effect of, well, "I gotta have it because." I've already got the back half of a warthog, and I want it to look like it's jumping through the living room and into my kitchen. And the guy says, "Well, I guess you got to have it. One twenty-five will do it." There and you go. took it home with you. I'm That's proud it. of that. I'm proud of that. It's brilliant. I have a coyote ass and a couple of possum asses. Um, that I met. I met this guy. Oh, it's this great junk shop story. I'm in Michigan. I'm in a junk shop, right? And I'm looking at this piece of taxidermy, you know? And by the way, I've never owned a gun and I've never killed an animal in my life. I'm against that. But once someone else kills it and then taxidermies it, right here, you know what I mean? That's, I don't know if that's like, you know, crossing your line or whatever, but I have some weird ass taxidermy. You know, I have no deer on the wall, but I have half a warthog and a paddlefish, you know? Um, anyway, so I'm looking at this, this beautiful 
taxidermy thing in Michigan, right? And this guy comes up to me, and I didn't know if he owned it or not, but uh, he goes, it's nice. And I said, it is, and it's weird, and I like it, and I'd really like to have it, but it's $1,000, and that's ridiculous. And he goes, well, I've got some stuff that's cheaper. And I said, okay. And I thought he was going to, like, show me other stuff in the store. He leaves the store. So then I'm like, all right, you know? And we go out to his truck. Yeah, and he opens, like, the tool compartment on the back and pulls a possum ass out of the if I was gay, I would have married him right there. <laughs> I was immediately in love with this man. He's got a possum ass in his truck toolbox thing, you know? And I said, what do you want for it? And he goes, I got a bunch of them. I don't know, 20 bucks? I said, I'll buy a bunch of them. I just... <laughs> How many possum asses do you have? And he goes, I got a lot of them, man. They tend to get hit from the front. <laughs> I said, they tend to get what? And he goes, yeah, I don't know why, but they tend to they tend to get hit, and then the back half. Okay, so fast forward 30 minutes. Here's what I've learned about the guy. I'm so jealous of him still to this day. He has the perfect uh, passion and job. I'm, you meet very few human beings that their passion and their job actually come together like a puzzle piece. His passion is taxidermy. His job, picking up roadkill on the streets of Michigan. Fucking great. So some animal gets hit by a car, his job, he gets paid to go get it, and then whatever is still left, he taxidermies it. So I have, I don't know, 15 possum hands. <laughs> just He's done a couple of them like this. <laughs> yeah, it's just awesome. I have a few possum asses that are just sticking out of the wall, you know, and the boar's ass, you know, just, right? And, the, and I have a coyote ass, and... My stepdaughter has the fox. She's got a fox ass in her room because she liked it because it doesn't have the legs. I know, it is sad. They kind of, his ass is what was left. You know, I mean, just the molding. I'm still jealous of that. You imagine waking up every day, like, excited to go to work. I, I know something's hit. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So we will launch uh, in a few weeks, and uh, we hope you guys subscribe. Uh, did you guys enjoy this tonight? Are we finished? Yeah, I think so. Um, unless you have, well, I mean, closing words. I mean, what do you have to say? Uh, talk about the podcast. Uh, I enjoyed recording them, and um, Matt screwed up the first five or so. Yeah, I fucked up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I actually, you know what? I mean, I'm, I think that you'll like them. That's a lot for me to say. Yeah, that's a... Uh, I think they're fantastic. I'm proud to be a part of it, and I'm just I, happy. I pulled, I pull, I'll say it this way. I pulled into Frankfurt thinking, this isn't going to work. You know, this is just not going to work. I'm going to pull out this weird junk, and, and it's not going to be interesting. It's only interesting to me. You know what I mean? Like a, a box full of bloodletting equipment. You know what I mean? He's not, ma he's not making any of that up, by the way. I, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, bloodletting equipment's amazing. <laughs> You know what I mean? When we used to, you'd go in with a headache and leave dead. <laughs> right. Headache gone. Bloodletting equipment. I have bloodletting medical. It's amazing to me. And then I researched it and learned all about bloodletting. You know why we, we started doing that? Like, we thought actually letting blood out would, would cure you. You know why? This is fascinating. Because we observed women. They would, they would feel horrible. And then they would have their menstrual cycle. And they felt better. And then we put two and together 
and got to wrong. <laughs> and who knows? Hundreds of thousands of people died because we... That's fascinating to me, right? So I keep my eye out for bloodletting equipment, you know? And, but I pulled up to Frankfurt thinking, they're going to make fun of me. I've got all this weird shit. Most of it's from a morgue, you know? And they're not, but then it turned out, I, I left there and I told my wife, I said, I actually think it was very fun and I think they were pretty interesting. Absolutely. And you know? the thing is, like, jokingly, like 22 people are going to listen. What I want to explain is, so we, we, did, we agreed to get together and record this podcast. So we, we put all this in motion. And then all of a sudden, Stuart comes up from, from Georgia with a truckload of stuff. And then with that entire week, you had... Tom Simmons, who took time off the road, who's a road comic, he took the time off to come to Frankfurt, put himself up in a hotel for those days. Peter John Burns, a comic and has a life and a job in Chicago, comes down for four days, puts himself up in a hotel to be a part of this. Your friend Lowell comes down from Columbus. You've got Drake that comes over. I mean, these people came down because the, what, what we're talking about is so fascinating. And that's why I think that all, everyone here tonight is going to subscribe to this because you seeing you be so passionate about things that none of us would have given one single thought. No one here even thought about bloodletting equipment when they got up this morning. There had to be at least one. Ben may have. Yeah, Ben. ben I know have. Ben. You yeah. yeah you he, thought he, a little bit dabbled. about it. But I mean, it's, it's just, this it's, stuff's taught me stuff. MJ, I got MJ a, a hobo mirror, right? Wait, hold on. You can't just say that. What is a hobo mirror? What is that? The. The hobos, um, you know, guys that used to hop trains and, and, and women, you know, they used to hop these trains, right? And they would do this thing. See, I learned about this from buying it and then researching it. What the hell is this? And then I learned, right? They would they would make something. They would find, like, scraps of wood, and they would make a frame with it or something. And they would go to someone's house, and they would say, can I trade you this for a meal? So they would make something in, like, a little compartment with a little drawer in it or something, and they would trade you for food, right? So, and one of the things they made was if they would find a piece of broken mirror, then they would kind of size it up, and, and they would make a frame to go around it. And their theory was they would put all kinds of weird shit like, all around a hobo mirror is just oddities, just strange things, bottle caps. And I think the one I got for MJ has a horn coming out of it, you know, right? And uh, it's just weird stuff. And their theory is what you see in a mirror is not the whole truth. So you should put stuff around it to distract you from staring at yourself, right? What's around you is just as interesting as what you see in that mirror. What a great thing, you know? So now it's like when I see one, I get excited. And that's exactly what you're doing here. I mean, it's it's what you're it's putting cool, around. It's cool, right? You. Yeah, it's what you're putting around a, you is what's yeah. so fascinating. And you know, I found my first hobo mirror probably 20 years ago, and still, when I look in the mirror, it, I'll, I'll kind of look around it because I've learned that from them. Like what I see in there, don't get all picky and judgmental about your face and what you don't like. Look around the room because it's just as interesting as what you see in that mirror, you know. So that's the real reason I'm passionate about this stuff, you know. Sitting there and talking to Perry, I've, I've pulled up to Perry's shop before and not even went in the door. I sit out front with him and we talk and someone will drive by and he'll go, look at that fuck, you know? And I'll laugh, you know what I mean? Meeting that guy in Michigan, I just, I don't know. I like, I like, the, I like that stuff. It's changed my life and I've learned a lot, you know? I think that's awesome. And, and I've learned a ton from just watching you do it. All right, thanks so much for coming out, guys. We Thank really you guys. appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, guys. Stuart. Thanks to the White Rabbit. Thanks to uh, everyone for being here. And we really hope you guys enjoy this. And uh, 
We'll come back and do another live one at the, at the White Rabbit if they'll have us. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities is an on-tour production. Matt Holt, producer. Matt Holt also wrote that sentence. If you want to support us, please rate and review us on iTunes. Anything you do is greatly appreciated. You can visit our Facebook page also at Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. We'll post items of interest there, and you can chit-chat with other obsessives. I even stop by from time to time to see if I can buy anything from anybody. I've been Stuart Huff. If you've liked my obsession as much as I do, thank you very much for listening to me.